Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Hope you guys survived the rain out there and having a good weekend. We, uh, we're glad to have Joey back. I'm excited. So now I don't have to do as much work. I'm glad he's back. And also, what beard envy I've got of that thing, man. That's incredible. And so I'm uh, glad he's back. A lot that happened. And so I uh, believe we have a, God has a lot in store for us in different areas. So excited to share with that in the future. You know, we are in a series called The Jesus I Wish You Knew. And just looking at this idea, there's a lot of misconceptions about who Jesus is. You know, we talked last week. There's a lot of misunderstandings for, for a lot of reasons. You know, some of us, uh, it's religious reasons. You know, we kind of got uh, our, our view of Jesus distorted based on religious, some peop- maybe some rules people put on us, some things they told us Jesus was about and he really was. And so we're trying to unpack those. Also, maybe it's from media or maybe it's from some, maybe it was your college professor. Maybe it was some other place that you got some ideas about who Jesus was that were inaccurate. And so we want to just do our best to kind of break through all those. I think every generation probably has some of those. And so we want to do our best to peel some of those back. And we believe that Jesus is the point of everything. That if you look at history, if you look at our lives, if you look at everything that God's been up to, it finds its culmination in Jesus. So we want to get as clear a picture as possible because ultimately he's in charge and is responsible for transformation like he is the one who's who makes possible transformation so last week we talked about the posture of God that God's posture is not like this but God's posture is more like this and so today we want to talk about if God is so good and he's so open to us then what about pain and suffering common question One that's always gets a crowd laughing when you say we're going to talk about pain and suffering. But today we just want to deal with it head on and talk a little bit about what does this look like and why is it here and what's a way that we can process it in such a way that it's it's, uh, productive. You know, one of the things that our culture um, is really uh, focused on intensely is our own comfort. Have you noticed this? Like we are focused on our comfort and for good reason. I just think about how far we've come just in my lifetime on the things that we have that are for our comfort and for our convenience. How how many of you got, do you know what I did on a road trip when I was a kid? Looked out the window. That's what I did. (laughs) I would count the lines on the road. Sometimes we would count car tags that were from different states. And there was this game we would play called I Spy. Anybody remember I Spy? Okay, so you know where I'm going with this. I spy is just, you describe something that you're looking at. But if you're in a car for two days, your options are very limited. But now you have video games, you have iPads, you can watch TV on, you can get Wi-Fi in your car. If you're hungry, you can get a hovercraft to deliver a happy meal to the car with a toy in it. I mean, we have all these options today, just strictly for our comfort. I'm glad about that, but let's just think about all the things we have for our comfort. You have a microwave at home, you have an oven, you have a refrigerator, you have an air conditioner. Think about this, like anytime your air conditioner goes out in the summer, what happens? Like, that's my cross to bear. No, it is not. It is not your cross to bear. We have so much at our fingertips. This last week I was upgrading my Wi-Fi because I wasn't getting information from across the world and under the ocean fast enough for me. So I had to upgrade to get it faster. Have you ever been trying to download a picture that started somewhere across the world and you're like, this is taking forever. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And we we have so much. It's built into our comfort. We live in the only culture in history that can know who the president was in 1824 in about 10 seconds. Because you can find out right now. In fact, who is the president in 1824? Um, But you can find out right now because we have so much comfort. Think about food for a minute. Think about how easy it is for us to get food. 
Like back, in, you know, in, in, in the olden days, back our ancestors would have to do what? They have to plow the ground. They'd have to find a seed. They'd have to plant a seed. They'd have to water the seed. They'd have to wait. There's a novel concept. They'd have to wait for the food to grow. They'd have to harvest it. Then they'd have to eat it. And now what do we do? Just grab your app, order Publix. It's delivered right to your front door. And if you're on your way somewhere, you can go through the fast food line, which can deliver food from the freezer to your lap in 2.7 minutes. And then if that's not good enough, you have two lines now at most McDonald's and Chick-fil-A's. Because we, we like comfort. And again, nothing wrong with that. But here's what has happened to us. Comfort becomes king. And then comfort becomes our God. Comfort becomes king. And then comfort becomes what we worship. Becomes what we spend our time on. Becomes what we're focused on. It becomes what we spend our money on. Becomes our God. And then when something painful happens, we go through some suffering, we have absolutely no category to process it. So we blame God, don't we? And we'll, have you ever heard this? You know, I can't believe, I can't believe in a God who would let suffering happen. I can't believe in a God who would, and you just fill in the blank. And, and see, the big problem with suffering the big problem with suffering isn't that we would believe God isn't real, but it's that we would believe God isn't good. It's not that we would believe God isn't real, but it's that we would believe that God isn't good. Most people believe God's real because when you say, I don't believe in a God who would, you've already constructed a different God in your mind. You have a God it's just one that can fit your framework and that you can build. The problem is what happens is we won't believe that God is good. We won't believe that God is good. And without understanding that God is good, without seeing through the, the suffering and seeing through the pain, we'll believe that somehow God's holding out on us and somehow he is not worthy to be worshipped. You know, suffering is a sensitive subject, isn't it? Like, think about how sensitive it is. Because when you talk about suffering, we don't even know what to say to people who are suffering, do we? Like, have you ever met somebody and they're going through something you don't know what to say? Or maybe you were, you were going through some suffering and somebody, some well-intentioned, said something really, really stupid to you, didn't they? They'd say something like, well, I guess God needed them more than you did. Like, how heartless can you be to say that to somebody? Like, what about this one? Well, everything happens for a purpose. You've heard that one? That is not true. God uses it for a purpose. Everything doesn't happen for a purpose. That's heartless, isn't it? But we're, we don't know how to respond to people. And when people go through a tragedy, we, we kind of walk on eggshells around them. We don't know what to say. And so we lean into this idea of just avoiding the topic or maybe avoiding them and treating them differently than we would regular people. And it's as if they've all of a sudden, because of what they've been through, they have an extra understanding of life. And so we treat them with kid gloves. And when people go through suffering and tragedy, they don't need our pity. They don't need pity. They need to know there's purpose. People don't need to, know, don't need to, they don't need to feel our pity. They need to know that there is purpose. So today I just want to, just want to hit it head on. I just want to hit it head on. I want to just be aggressive with it as possible, but not insensitive. And just to kind of frame up my approach, um, Jesus said there was going to be suffering. 
He said, in this world, we're going to have suffering. He said this. He says, in this world, you'll have tribulation. And I can tell that I'm having tribulation right now. There we go. I've said these things to you that in, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus promised that we're going to have some struggle, didn't he? That's the first thing for us to understand. Second thing, just on a personal level. I've been through a little bit of suffering. Like some of you have been through more significant suffering than I have. Some of you have not been. That, that really is irrelevant. But just so you know that I'm not insensitive or callous to suffering. Like I've been in the hospital room when the doctor says, we're not sure your kid's going to make it. I've been on the other end of the phone call when one of your parents unexpectedly dies. I, I've sat in the room while people breathe their last breath. Man, I, I've stood here and perf- officiated funerals for kids who are way too young to go before us. But the reality is, it's not about my suffering. It's about yours. Because some of you have experienced worse than me. Some of you, you may not classify it as much. But your suffering matters. Your suffering matters to God. Your suffering, God wants to use it for a purpose. And today we just want to hit that suffering head on. Like, what is it that's your pain point? Did you have a spouse die or someone close to you passed away? You had that miscarriage, you can't seem to get pregnant. You dreamed of having a spouse by now and for some reason it seems to happen to everybody else but you. You had this idea of what your future was going to look like when you were in your 20s. Your 30s brought responsibility and now you've moved into your 40s. You feel like you're trapped. Like what is that pain point for you? What does God need to get into today while we're together. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 today. And we're going to start out in verse 18. You'll notice on the app and uh, as well as on the screen, there's a lot of verses listed there. And I'm not going to hit all of those today. Um, But it does give you some context to understand. These are some of the, I mean, some of the most powerful verses on suffering. And so as we look at this suffering, here's what we're going to find out. That the Jesus that we wish everybody knew was the Jesus who was with us in suffering. That he is the Jesus who is worthy of our lives even when we can't see how he's going to work something out. That he is worthy of more just than in good times but also worthy of us in our most difficult times. So Paul is the guy who wrote this in the book of Romans. I'm going to start out in Romans chapter 8. I'm just going to start out in verse 18 and then we're going to kind of move on from there. Verse 18 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. So Paul starts out talking about suffering. It's it's just this assumption Paul already has that that there is going to be suffering. There's something that's going to happen that's going to bring suffering. Now, how did suffering get in the world? Like, How did this happen? So we know that sin is what brought suffering into the world. In general, like the general reason we have suffering is because sin happened. Adam and Eve had some commands. They didn't follow them. And this is what we ended up with. So we have suffering in this world. And Paul goes on to, he talks about cosmic suffering. He talks about the fact that, you know, this world uh, geographically is not operating as it should. Because of suffering. The reason we have hurricanes and earthquakes and tsunamis and is because of all the suffering. All happens because of sin that's coming to the world. Now you may think to yourself, that doesn't seem fair. Right? Like that doesn't seem fair. I didn't do anything. Like have you ever had it? Have you ever uh, affected somebody's life and you didn't mean to in a bad way? Like has anybody else ever affected your life and it wasn't your fault? 
So last night I'm over here at the Cambridge uh, basketball game. They had a playoff game. And so I was over here and it was crowded a little bit. So I go and I park. And when I come out to get in my car, someone's parked behind me and has blocked me in. So I was affected by somebody else. If that was you, we need to have some words. Because <laughs> I need to apologize for that nasty note I left on your car. We're all affected by other people. It's true, you've affected other people. So we're all affected by Adam and Eve's sin. That's, that, that's, that's why we have evil and suffering. That's a whole message in itself. But not only that, let's make it a little personal. We're all affected by our own sin. We have pain in our own life because of our own sin, because of the things that we've done wrong, because of the lies that we've told, because of the mistakes that we've made, because of the times we've been unfaithful, because of the times we were selfish, because of the times we stepped over somebody, the times we were prideful. We've all sinned, and we, we suffer pain, and we suffer ramifications for that, and it causes this world to have pain and suffering in it. You see, pain is not evidence of an evil God, but a broken world. Pain's not evidence that, that God is evil, but it's the fact that the world is broken. So Paul says suffering. It's this assumption that we're going to have. But he goes on to say it's not worth being compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Hey, listen, there's something coming for us we can't begin to wrap our minds around. It is so magnificent, glorious. It is so positive. It's so life-giving. We can't even begin to imagine the glory that's coming for us. And sometimes we get so caught in the weeds and the, the troubles of today, we forget what's coming. Now, 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 we don't talk enough about heaven. We're going to do another series on that a little bit later. But we, we need to get our eyes focused on where we're going. There is a place that God has for those who love him and are moving in his direction. This is what God has for us. And, and, and when we cross over the threshold from this life into the next, this can be something we can never even get our minds around. It is so drastic. It will completely swallow up any suffering that we've been through. And this is where it gets a little difficult, doesn't it? Because you mean, Stephen, it's going to swallow up death? Yes, it is. I love this analogy because think about somebody like Paul back at the turn of the century. Imagine for a minute he gets transported here just overnight. He twinkles his nose or something and shows up here. And he's used to in a, in traveling in a boat to places, maybe on a camel, maybe even having to walk, God forbid, somewhere. And he shows up here and there's airplanes flying overhead. Imagine how much that blows his mind. That you can get across the world within a matter of a day. Right? Think about what he would think about a big screen TV. When all he's been used to doing is reading parchments. It would be so far removed from what he'd ever experienced. That's only a blink of what heaven is going to be like for us. And as we look at this is one of my favorite um, verses around heaven is over towards the end where we're getting this idea of what heaven's going to look like. And it says this, talking about Jesus, says, Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the for former things that passed away. Like this is what's on the horizon for us. Because Jesus himself, he is worthy and what I wish you knew about him, he is going to wipe away your tears. He's going to take that Kleenex right to your cheek. Just wipe it away. And not just so the tear's gone, but so that the pain is gone. He is so worthy. This is the Jesus that we wish you knew. So Paul keeps on writing, and he has a lot of verses in this particular um, passage. But, but 
one thing I think he would say to us as we looked at verse 18, when he says, consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present time, what you need to realize today is that suffering, suffering is a season. It's not the full story. Suffering is a season. It's not the full story. You may be going through a season of suffering right now. Your dreams may have died. Your pain may be so intense, but it's not the full story. There's coming something for us that's so much better than that. I mean, think about seasons for a minute. You know, seasons, some seasons are good, some seasons are bad, like winter's terrible. Am I right? That's why y'all moved here from Michigan. <laughs> seasons like winter, man, it's dark and it's dreary and you think it's never going to end. But then spring happens. Birds begin to chirp, the sun begins to shine, and warmth begins to warm your skin and you realize this is just God's way of reminding us your your season your suffering is just a season it's not the full story your story is not over your story is not over it's just a season as painful as this season may be and I'm not trying to um, minimize this season for you but your suffering is not going to last forever it does have an end you can just hang on. Paul goes on in verse 28. Um, He says this. He says, likewise, um, the Spirit, uh, sorry, he says, and we know that for these, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this is kind of the classic verse on suffering, that we know that God is working for purpose in everything that we go through, that God is somehow unseen to us at times. He's putting some things together for us, for our good, even though we can't see it. And he's taking this suffering, this pain that's come our way, and he's using it to mold and to shape us into who he wants us to be. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for him who is called according to his purpose. So, so Paul is just saying, he's, he's assuming suffering and he's not looking at suffering as negative. He's just looking at suffering as something that we're going to endure so we can be everything that God wants us to be. You see, God will use pain as a tool in our lives. God uses pain as a tool to build us, not a weapon to destroy us. Now, we feel like when we're going through a problem or a struggle, man, God is using it against us, that he's vindictive. And what I wish you knew about Jesus, that he is not punitive. We talked about this last week. He didn't come that we'd be condemned. He came that we would be saved. And sometimes when we go through a struggle, we think God is using it, trying to destroy us like a weapon. But he's just using it as a tool to build us. Now, I don't know why we tend to respond better to pain, if we're just honest. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to God. God, I know you need me to learn something. But I, would, I really wish you would not use pain for me to learn that. <laughs> like, I want to I be better. I want to know what my strengths are. I want to know who I am. But God, if I could get through it without pain, that would be good. As a matter of fact, when I go to the doctor and they say, what are your allergies? I'm like, pain. I'm allergic to pain. Everything else I'm good with. I don't like pain. But the reality is, and we've all experienced this, we tend to learn things better through hardship, don't we? We tend to learn things better through struggle. We tend to learn things better where we know what the downside of it is and we remember it more and it actually shapes us. It's not just this aspiration that we have. You know, C.S. Lewis, great writer, especially in this area of pain, Lewis wrote a couple of books that you should check out, A Grief Observed um, and The Problem of Pain. Lewis wrote those after his wife died of cancer. So he's not someone who's immune to pain. Um, he said that, he, I suggest that it's because God loves us that he gives us the gift 
of suffering. How could suffering be a gift? How could suffering be a gift? Since pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, we're like blocks of stone out of which the sculptor carves the forms of men. The blows of his chisel, chisel which hurt us so much are what makes us perfect. This is what pain can do in our lives. Pain can help us to experience the fullness of who we are. It, it's like a little bit like Michelangelo when he was asked about carving David. Anybody seen the statue of David, you guys? Four of you? All right, we're giving away a trip to Italy next week. <laughs> Michelangelo has a famous statue of David. And when asked, the story goes, about how he, how, how he came up with that, how he sculpted that, he just said he looked at this block of stone and removed all the pieces that weren't David. And this is what God does with us, is God knows who we are. He looks into our identity. He knows why we're created. As we go through pain, as we endure suffering and struggle, what happens is God takes some pieces of us that are unnecessary. He edits our life. And he begins to take around the pieces that aren't going to be beneficial for us that we don't need. God doesn't want to use pain as a weapon. He uses it as a tool to build us into who he's called us to be. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. How do we usually respond to suffering? Like, think about how life goes, and it's generally a little bit like this. You go through a, we'll call it a good season. Because good seasons are seasons, aren't they? We go through a good season. You go to the mall and you get a parking spot up close. It's a good season. You went to the Avalon, got a parking spot at all. It's a good season. <laughs> you know, you, you go shopping and everything you want's on sale. You go to church and that pastor's speaking just directly to you, reading your mail. It's awesome. They sing your favorite worship songs. You're so glad. Just a good season. You go home and your fiance, remember Valentine's Day. It's a good season. You go home and your spouse remember Valentine's Day. It's a new season. <laughs> and, and you go to work. You get that bonus. You get an income tax refund. Health is good. You're able to plug, enjoy your hobbies. It's a, it's a good season. God's good, isn't he? It's a good season. Inevitably, what happens? You go to the mall, that parking spot's gone. Somebody blocks you in from behind, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Nothing's on sale. Go to church. That sermon, eh, it's all right. That worship leader, I think he was a little off today. You go home, there's turmoil. Kids don't seem to be studying, seem to be in some behavior you didn't, bet, you didn't understand, didn't know about. Somehow it just kind of blindsided you. You go out with your girlfriend and find out that she's decided that she's going to break it off. It's not, it's not you, it's her, but she's done. Go to the doctor. A couple of days later, you get a phone call. They want you to come in. They had some things they need to go over with you. Go to work. They're right-sizing, and you got right-sized right out the door. And all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Hey, God, I think you may pay attention to what's happening here. Like, I think I know how this should go if you just let me help you with that. God, if I could just give you my plan for how this should look, this is what. 
This is how it should go. One of the things that we'll do in that moment is we'll, we'll start out by denying the pain or the struggle, the abuse, the abandonment, the miscarriage, the terminated pregnancy. We'll start a, denying that those things happen. And we'll just keep plowing through life until we realize that's a lot of pressure to bear. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll just blame God. God, this is your fault. If you were paying attention, if you were good, this wouldn't be happening to me. God, if you were just around, where are you? And we'll blame God. God, I'm supposed to be over there, but I'm right here. And if I'm right here, I'm not there. It's your fault. We'll blame God. Now, there's a third option. There's a third option that we can learn from. There's a third option that will get us where we want to go. There's a third option that gets us to our purpose. And that's to wrestle with God. That third option is to wrestle with God. Like, what does that even look like? How do you wrestle with God? One of my favorite stories in the Bible is about this guy named Jacob. Jacob was a snake. He was a scoundrel. He was a liar. He was a thief. And God was just trying to get his attention. And eventually he had enough suffering. He did. And so God comes to him and God grabs a hold of him. And Jacob won't let go of God. He says, God, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go. I don't care what it costs me. I am not going to let go. Now, after that, Jacob walked with a limp. But Jacob walked whole. Jacob walked with purpose because he wrestled with God. And we need to learn to wrestle with God. We don't need to deny that it happened. We don't need to blame God. We need to wrestle with God. You know, the first way that you do that is just to humbly embrace the pain. Humbly embrace the pain. Like whatever pain you're going through, humbly embrace it. Sometimes we'll embrace it a little like Captain Dan on Forrest Gump. With our fist in the air. Like, bring it on, God. Lieutenant Dan. But humbly embrace the pain. In other words, come to God with honesty, with arms open, that you're in pain. The truth about your frustration and your anger and your devastation and your guilt or shame. We just humbly come before God. In Psalm chapter 51, David writes about truth and he says this you delight in truth in the inward being you teach me wisdom in the secret heart so so he comes into this idea of just being honest with God like can you tell God you're mad I think he can handle it can you ask God a question of why yes you can and we're taught don't ask God why don't 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 ask God don't test God you're not testing God God can take it. And God knows that until he gets to the bottom of your pain, the bottom of your suffering, and the real things that are going on in your heart, he's got no ground to work. You know, this week, as I was processing this message, it's always a heavy one for me, as you can imagine, just because I've had my own level of pain. And I've experienced some of your pain. And I see pain uh, at times. And my, I don't feel like that's my life. But as I reflect back on it at times, I realize the level of pain that's built up. And God unearthed some area where I hadn't, probably hadn't dealt with something. And I realized, like many of you, this week, 
I am pissed about my suffering. I'm mad for me. I'm mad for my family. I'm mad for you guys. I'm mad. And that's okay. God's big enough to handle that. And I'm done crying now. (laughs) See, until you go there with God, you're not going to get anywhere. Have you asked God why? Have you asked God why you were abused? Have you asked God why your dad was like that? Have you asked God why your wife did that? Have you asked God why? Are, are you really okay? Or are you angry? We have to humbly, 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 humbly embrace the pain. Second thing we have to do is just to stubbornly focus on the goodness of God. you got to be hard-headed when it comes to the goodness of God. Because what you're going to see is not going to feel like good sometimes. You have got to stubbornly hang on to the fact that God is good. He's got good for you. I wish that people knew how good Jesus is, even in suffering. That's what I wish. I wish they could understand it. I wish they could embrace it. I wish they could participate and experience it. You have to stubbornly focus on the goodness of God, even when the storm is all around you and you feel like you're sinking. Paul was a guy who completely understood this. Over in a place over in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes about his own suffering. He said this, he says, I've, I've been through far more imprisonments with countless beatings. I'm often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I haven't even been shipwrecked one time, praise the Lord. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger in the city, in the wilderness, at sea, a danger from false brothers and toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and exposed. And then I also had this pressure of loving the church and not being with them. And Paul was somebody who understood suffering. Paul was a guy who had been there and done that. Paul understood that suffering was not the end, that it was only a season. Paul understood that even though I may see pain right now, God has a purpose in it. He'll use it. God will use my suffering for a purpose. And when we're in the midst of pain, we have to remember what we feel isn't always true. We may feel alone, abandoned. We may feel depressed. We may feel like it's imminent that I'm going to be destroyed. It's not true. It's a season for you. I can remember during a difficult time when my family was at the hospital and I'm in my office and I can picture it like I'm there today. And I told God, I'm all alone. But I wasn't. I wasn't. And that was years ago. And I'm still here. I wasn't alone. And neither are you. So Paul, in the midst of his difficulty, stubbornly hangs on to the goodness of God. Watch what he says kind of at the end of our passage for today in verse 31. He says, what shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He goes on to say, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it's written. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquered through him who loved us. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Paul knew in the midst of difficulty how worthy Jesus was. He knew that no matter what he saw, that there was nothing that could separate him from the love of Christ. He knew that Jesus was worth his blessing but also was worth it during the suffering this is what I wish you knew I wish you knew how much Jesus loved you you know the thing about Jesus is that he didn't just stay like far off that he came and got into the pain with us like it's hard to believe in a God who would be distant from our suffering isn't it yet Jesus comes gives his life for us is arrested, betrayed by one of his closest followers, arrested by an angry mob who trumps up some charges against him so they can execute him, murder him. They take him, they give him a really speedy trial, then they begin to beat him, where even his own family couldn't recognize him. They place a crown of thorns on his head and blood gushes down his face. He's beaten, his body mutilated. He's spit on by some Roman soldiers. What an indignity. Then he's hung on a cross where he hangs there for a few hours while his mom watches him. Oh yeah, by the way, his dad probably had already died years before. And as he's dying, he does his best to hand the care off of his mom to one of his followers because he was so concerned for her. And then after he's dead, a Roman soldier comes around just to ensure his death and pierces his side with a spear just to be sure the deed was complete. Like that was a season of pain for him. He he suffered. He suffered in ways that we've suffered. He can identify with suffering, but that wasn't the end of the story, was it? It wasn't the end. We know that he rose from the dead. This is the Jesus that we serve. The one who brings life in the midst of pain, who brings purpose in the midst of suffering. I wish you knew that today. I wish you knew that. Let's pray. So we're just going to take a second just to pray, and then we'll have communion. Uh, Just in your own heart, where is it that you're holding back from God? What's the pain point? What's the area where you've denied it or blamed him? area where you're just angry something that happened to you as a kid or maybe as an adult a dream that is just dead a job that's been lost a marriage that's been destroyed and broken a sin that you can't seem to escape guilt and the shame of what you've done what's that pain point for you today you just tried to bury it through work through hobbies through putting a smile on your face what is that What's that pain point for you today? Just be honest with God about it. Now, there's a certain group of people I just want to speak to. Some of you guys have 
grown up with some pain and you've, you, it's kept you from following Jesus. You've seen people follow him. You've heard people talk about follow him, following him. You've, talked, you've heard me talk about following him, but you have never followed Jesus because of the pain that you've endured. You just can't seem to get over it. You can't seem to understand that it wasn't him that caused it. You feel like it's his fault and you blamed him. and you, you've, It's prevented you from following Jesus. And today is the day you need to do that. That You need to let him have your pain. Don't put it aside. Let him have it by following him for the first time. Quit playing games, quit denying it, and, and follow him for the first time. The way that you do that is just by simply asking him. And I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer and you can say these words after me in your own heart. God, I hate what's happened to me. I can't seem to get over the pain and I blamed you for it. Forgive me. I believe that Jesus endured pain on my behalf, came to save me, came to give me life, came to give me purpose. And I choose today to stop making excuses and to follow him. And for those of you guys that have done that, as you do that, man, God says that you are a new creation. He wants to come alongside you to help you to find purpose in the struggle and the suffering today. God, I just pray for those here who are enduring some pain. Some of it's unspeakable, God. Some of it's in secret today. And God, I, I wish that we could wave a magic wand and it would just be gone. But Lord, I know that you want to use it in their lives, that you have a plan, God. Lord, I pray that you would just help Jesus step into these areas for people. Unmet expectations, broken dreams, violence, abuse, sin. God, that you would just bring healing today. I pray, God, that we would just embrace the pain, asking you why, asking you how you're changing us, asking you what we're supposed to learn from this and how we can be different. God, help us to stubbornly hang on to what the fact that you are good, God. We love you. We just pray in the worthy name of Jesus. Amen.